dissecting the DC chaos one spin at a time. Welcome to Climate and Chaos with Jay Bashido. Here's Jay. Welcome to another exciting episode of Climate and Chaos with Jay. I, of course, am Jay, your host. And we've got a great weekend review for you. President Trump managed to kick some major tail at the G7 this week. And we have another presidential candidate, this time on the right, or supposedly on the right, Joe Walsh. Thinks he's got a prayer in hell of beating President Trump. Right. Anyway, we're going to look into that. We're also going to look into Jim Comey and why Jim Comey thinks he's been completely vindicated by the IG report when nothing could be further from the truth. His lack of sensical analysis is just breathtaking. But anyway, we're going to get into all that, too. Let's get started with this uh, Joe Walsh guy. I want to talk about what an interesting loser of a character this guy really is. And you don't have to look very far to find out. I was able to dig up enough on this guy in about two minutes. This guy, of course, is a deadbeat dad who doesn't pay his child support. You know, but at the same time was able to loan his campaign $35,000, but he's too broke to pay child support. Now, of course, we're talking years past here. Now, this is something that took place in the, I believe, 2010, 2011 time frame. And he, of course, has settled his child support uh, debt at this point. The details of that child support settlement were kept under wraps, so we don't know exactly how much of the $117,000 he was behind he actually paid. Uh, but he's come to a settlement with his ex-wife. He, uh, interestingly enough, too, he I just mentioned that he managed to pay his campaign $35,000 at one point. From 2008 to 2010, Joe Walsh never paid a dime in child support. None. Zero. Zilch. Whatsoever. And he also managed to pay himself back almost $15,000 of that $35,000 loan when he was running for Congress. He also at one point paid more in rent than he reported in income. So go figure that one out for me. I have no idea how that's supposed to work, but he actually had less income reported than what he was paying for rent. He's re regarded as one of the most corrupt in Congress when he was in Congress, and that was named by Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, also known by the acronym of CREW. Yeah, he was named by them as one of the most corrupt people in the in Congress at that time. He has tax liens. He's got lawsuits for not paying his debts, foreclosure on a condo that he owed over three hundred grand on. And wait a second here. Let's think about this, okay? This guy was a borderline libertarian that used his platform of fiscal responsibility to make a name for himself in Washington, D.C. But this guy is so fiscally responsible that he can't even pay his own debt. I mean, really, this is a guy who's supposed to be a role model and now wants to be president. I just see how this works. Every country in the world would end up cutting us off for not paying our debts. That would be major, major problematic. Anyway, in addition to that, like I said, he had owed $117,000 in child support at one time. And like I said, he did settle this debt as it is reported. But, you know, for what? We have no idea. We don't know if he paid $8,000 of that and that was it. Uh, we can pretty much just be assured, though, he probably didn't pay the $117,000. So whatever it was, he settled at a lower rate. Uh, he didn't pay his campaign manager in 2010. He he actually had to be sued for that. 
another interesting characteristic of this man that wants to be the most powerful leader in the free world. He, idiot, he even claimed to be so frugal to get elected, he claimed he slept in his congressional office to save money. Wow. What a, what a frugal fiscal guy he is, huh? Interesting, I say. Okay, so let's understand where, where this guy comes from, okay, and why the never-Trumper Joe Walsh, as he's always been pretty much since President Trump was elected, now wants to run for president. This is the work of a small group of de facto Republicans in Congress, in, in, in the government, or even outside the government, you could say. We're looking at people like Bill Kristol. We're looking at Anthony Scaramucci. They have propped this guy up to run, regardless of what anybody tells you. Like, Scaramucci is the authority on who to do what in D.C. when he spent a collective total of 11 days involved in the government, right? This guy, Scaramucci, okay, I, I know you probably know or have heard a lot of stuff about him already, but let me give you a little bit more that you may not know or maybe have forgotten since it took place. This guy was such a Trump fan. He missed the birth of his son to be at an event for President Trump. It was shortly after that that his wife filed for a divorce, Deidre Ball. She was a Trump hater. She donated $5,400 to Representative Kathleen Rice's campaign, who was another Trump hater. And she also donated $2,700 to Jeb Bush. Okay, so, you know, you got to think about how far the apple actually falls from the tree here. Did Scaramucci just kiss up to Trump so that he could get a position in the as an official for the press office back then? And obviously, he didn't work out spending less than two weeks there. Sources have also said that Scaramucci was hell-bent on getting in the White House. He, he, he actually had an interesting brawl with Reince Priebus. Now, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but yeah, Sean Spicer and Reince Priebus both objected to hiring Anthony Scaramucci. Some so much in Sean Spicer's case that he actually left his position. And people say that there's a good deal of incline there that he left because of Scaramucci. Now, this is the guy, of course, who's responsible for the, the conversation he had with Chris Liza. And he it was an explicit laced rant. He tried to force Liza to reveal a source of a leak about a dinner that was taking place at the White House, and he threatened to fire the entire comm staff in order to get the information. This is a real stand-up guy, right? He was paranoid about Priebus constantly. He insisted that it was Priebus that leaked the dinner. He just wanted Chris Lisa to tell him that. Insisted that he leaked his financial disclosure as well, too. That was a separate incident that came out to be rather light-shining on the lights of Scaramucci. He uh, had his uh, his financial disclosure leak, and he blew up about it and said that it was Priebus that leaked it. He just absolutely knew it. Well, it turned out it was public information. He This was after, of course, he insisted that he called the FBI and the DOJ about the leak, and he was going to get somebody thrown in jail over it. Yeah, turned out to be public information, so nice try. So, you know, from Lisa's perspective, he goes on uh, CNN to discuss this phone call he had. And Scaramucci actually calls the show at the same time to try to deny calling Priebus the leaker. 
This guy is in every sense a traitor. He's just angry because he thinks his firing was unjust and that the president actually owed him something. This guy's a joke. So basically, we've got to say no to Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh is just, just a, a loser that fits the definition of the mold in every single way. Everything from being a deadbeat, not paying his debt, not paying for his kid. This is not the kind of guy, of course, that anybody wants in the White House. And he doesn't stand a chance anyway. Okay, so why is he actually running? He's running because he's hoping that he can split the Republican vote and take votes away from President Trump. It, they're basically saying that they want to elect a Democrat, which, of course, we know what the consequences of that would be. We've discussed that on several occasions. So we need to hopefully stand strong with President Trump and make sure that this de facto lunatic gets absolutely 0% of the vote. It's just something to keep in mind as far as Joe Walsh goes. And we're not, of course, I, I must add the clarification here, we are not talking about Joe Walsh of the Eagles, okay? If you're into classic rock, you know Joe Walsh was the guitarist for the Eagles. And no, we're not talking about the same guy who a lot of people at one time did think that was the Joe Walsh that was trying to run against President Trump because nobody in their right mind has ever heard of the other one-term congressman, Joe Walsh. Also, I left out a little bit of information. Check his Twitter history, okay? He has used the N-word at least four separate times in his tweets, and he recently responded in our interview to being asked if he was a racist to say, that he, in fact, was not a racist, but he had tweeted racist things on Twitter. Yeah, this guy has all the makings to be president, doesn't he? Anyway. Okay, so I want to move on to the G7. President Trump got some major accomplishments done on the G7 front this week. He, he did uh, some excellent work there, so we definitely want to talk about that. I broke it down into five main takeaways of things that he had accomplished and things that were discussed. Of course, the G7 took place in Bayarts, France. Uh, POTUS and President Macron gave a joint press conference where they worked to progress on global security, fair trade, better economic opportunity. But the highlight of the G7 was when President Trump secured a trade agreement with Japan's Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. Um, Japan agreed to purchase large sums of corn from American farmers, and the deal secures market access for several American goods. So this was all the way around just a, a great, great thing that he accomplished with Japan as far as the trade front goes. Um, give me a little bit more of the breakdown on that. President Trump expects it to be an ironclad deal by mid-September, right around the time the UN General Assembly meets. Like I said, Japan had agreed to buy mostly corn, and it was the corn that China had originally agreed to purchase before they reneged on that deal. So that's a win for the American farmer. Shinzo Abe had called the process a win-win and described a series of intense negotiations. I don't know you, but I, I would not want to sit across the table and negotiate with President Trump. I, I, I just don't think that would work out in my favor. Shinzo Abe also pointed to an insect infestation as the reason for the buy. 
uh, stating that he may need to declare an emergency to speed up the process. So they're actually in quite need of this corn and other related agricultural products that they lost due to insect infestation. So this isn't something that's going to be backburnered and take place in a year or two. This is actually something that's going to move along pretty quickly. Uh, U.S. trade rep Robert Lighthizer, he stated uh, the deal basically breaks down into three parts. Uh, the first of which is agriculture, also reduction of industrial tariffs, and digital trade. Uh, Japan will go from importing $14 billion in agricultural products for, to $21 billion. So that's a 33% increase uh, that President Trump was able to work out. Really good thing. The trade deal will st- strengthen the coalition against China, too, to offset their ambitions to surpass the United States militarily and economically. So anything we can do to stagger China's growth is obviously good for the United States. That's definitely an accomplishment. We all know where President Trump is with China in his uh, trade war that we talked about last week when he had gotten into the chosen one thing we talked about. Yeah, remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the media is not your friend, people. Anyway, um, other than that, at the G7, the other things that he did was uh, he promoted the USMCA with with Prime Minister Trudeau. They actually stood in solidarity on the uh, U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement that Congress has yet to take up because Nancy Pelosi is a waste of time. So that's its dormant while they could pass that and do some good for American farmers and ranchers and people in different areas of, of uh, business. But no, it's it's dormant. And interestingly enough, I'd also been reading this week that Nancy Pelosi has been taking quite a bit of heat from uh, the Democrats in red states about passing the USMCA. They obviously are looking ahead towards uh, re-election and realizing that they probably don't stand a, much of a chance of being re- re-elected if they don't have something to show for what they've done. That's kind of the position they're in. I, I can't think of anything that the House has done except for investigate since 2018 when they won the House back on the promise that they were going to do things for the people. Nothing could have been more more of a farce or a lie in that arena. They haven't done anything for the people. All they've done is investigate what President Trump had for dinner two Tuesdays ago and what time it was and who was who was there at this event because obviously his dinner must have come from Russia. Anyway, oh, I'm sorry. Russia was last week, right? Yeah, that's right. We're on a racist and white supremacist this week. Ah, the left, it's so hard to keep up with their lies and anecdotes, right? Anyway, President Trump developed stronger trade practices with Europe at this uh, G7 also. He met with Chancellor Angela Merkel and discussed how to meet global and regional security challenges and previewed better trade relations with Germany and the EU. Now, Germany's really got their hands full. You know, it's it's funny because... A lot of people have predicted exactly what's happening in Germany right now. Germany has opened the floodgates to to illegal immigrants, as we would call them here, uh, to these people from all over the globe, mainly from boats coming from Africa and Muslim nations and places like that. And now they're starting to pay the price for it. They 
can't understand why women are getting raped at a record high, why jobs are suffering, why there's people committing lewd acts in the street in Germany. And the German people are quite upset about it. They've had absolutely enough. So Angela Merkel is receiving the blunt of that fallout, and she should because she's responsible for it. She's the one that opened the floodgates to these people to just come in unvetted, cause damage to the country, not take into account that the German people would suffer the most from all this because they're diverting funds to have to pay for illegals to do this and do that, and they're completely ignoring the German citizen. So... A lot of people called this. A lot of people said this would happen. And it is a reality in a world when you place the citizens of other countries above the importance of your own. So I guess we shouldn't be too shocked, right? Anyway, President Trump also worked to reduce Indian-Pakistani tensions. This was kind of interesting. He met with Prime Minister uh, Narendra Modi from India, and he worked to build on an already good economic management between those nations. So that was good, too. Um, we have good economic relations with India, and we hope to strive for them with Pakistan. But at this point, he built on what already exists with India, and he was assisting in detensifying the relations between India and Pakistan. So President Trump performing on the world stage at the G7 did a great job. Oh, and let's not forget, too, President Trump did suggest. Now, I mean, he suggested, that's it, literally. All he did was suggest that next year's G7 would be held in Doral, in Florida, at a Trump property. He cited several reasons why it would be a good idea, that it had big conference rooms, that it was near to an airport, wouldn't have to travel very far once the people flew in for the G7. But, of course, now Jerry Nadler literally has said that he is going to open an investigation due to President Trump making a suggestion that people use his property. Because why? Because, of course, he wants to relate it to the Emoluments Clause and claim that President Trump is enriching himself from this. This is the same man that donates his salary quarterly to different areas of need. Has Jerry Nadler ever donated his money to anybody at any time, anywhere? Absolutely ridiculous. I cannot believe that the left still thinks that they're going to get elected by doing these ridiculous, insulting investigations, and they think they're going to get anywhere in any election. Folks, I don't see how anybody can elect a Democrat. Please, if you know of any solid reason why there is to elect a Democrat, contact me, email me, hit me up on Twitter, something. Explain this to me, because I just can't see why any sane, rational person would elect a Democrat at this point. It's, it's just far beyond my comprehension. Okay, so let's get into the big issue at hand here. Let's talk about Jim Comey. Okay, and how this guy's narcissism is just something for the record books. I'm telling you, this guy is so inflated on himself that it's not even funny. From his tree-wandering tweets to his pondering life and riddle on Twitter, he is just a major, major disgrace to the American people. And if anything came out of the IG report, it's that President Trump was completely correct in firing this guy. He is toxic to the American people. 
You know, of all the lies that Comey told, none were bigger than when he told the president in a sit-down meeting that I do not do sneaky things, I don't leak, I don't do weasel moves. He had quite a term picked out for this, weasel moves, right? It, it's projection of its finest. It's like he knew exactly what he was going to do to the president, and then he went off and did it. But he assured the president that that just wasn't his M.O. Well, the IG report was as damning as it possibly could be on Jim Comey. Now, we did, of course, receive a declination of prosecution from the DOJ, okay? But I have some reasons as to why I think that is, and I'm going to go into that. Let's talk about, first off, his reaction to the IG report and what the IG report actually stated. First off, before it, as it's being announced, I would say it was a tie, okay? As it's being announced that the IG report on Comey is out, this idiot is tweeting that he's completely vindicated and telling people that they don't need to apologize, but they could just drop him a line and say that, you know, we're sorry about lying about you for the past two years. He quotes from the IG report in another tweet. He sent out about three in about five minutes, and he's talking about how it clears him of any illegal act and it, that he's just totally vindicated. At least that's how he takes it. This, this man is absolutely ridiculous as a human being, let alone an FBI director. Now, the whole basis of the IG report was that Comey served nobody but himself. He was solely responsible for the Russia collusion farce that the country was subjected to. Reports stated that Comey knew what he was doing the entire time. It refutes his claim of justification, says that there absolutely was no justification for his actions, and that he consistently broke FBI rules and protocol to serve himself. Now, of course, the MSM, the mainstream media, has welcomed him with open arms for two and a half years, labeling him as this Boy Scout do-right that totally took on the evil Russia colluding president and stood up for American values. Now, let's not forget what Comey's original claim with these memos were. Okay, he claimed to have memorialized his private conversations with President Trump, and he did so to protect the FBI. He felt it was necessary to leak these memos through an intermediary in order to save the country with a special counsel. And he did this because he was a private citizen and he felt the memos were his property. So he didn't feel he was leaking something that would turn out to be an illegal act. Or at least that's the version that he shared with everybody in Congress. Okay, now this was totally dismantled by the IG. He completely put out there that this was absolute wrong thinking, that Comey was absolutely in the wrong. But I'll tell you why this ended up in a declination of prosecution. First off, let's go back to when he stated on May 3rd of 2017 in front of Congress, he stated that he never acted as or authorized anyone to be a source to the media. Now, he pretty much in the same breath had already contradicted himself in that testimony but the IG brought all of this to life. His findings were along the lines of Comey's first briefing with President-elect on January 6th of 2017 was partially done in hope that President Trump might make statements about or provide information of value to the probe. Okay, so what he's saying here is it was a setup. 
He sat down with President Trump, hoping he would say something self-incriminating. He tried to trick the the president into saying something that would not serve his purposes. Right there is a good reason to think that despite Comey telling the president he was not under investigation, he actually was. Now, on the last page of the IG report, the IG pretty much summed it up when he said, Unauthorized disclosure of sensitive investigative information obtained during the course of FBI employment in order to achieve a personally desired outcome. Now, that's what we've all known all along. Jim Comey wasn't serving anybody but himself. Comey was trying to kick off a special counsel, and it worked. Meanwhile, Donald Trump, the American people, and the FBI were totally screwed. We lost two and a half years of our existence to the special counsel probe that never should have taken place in the first place. This was an angry FBI director who had been fired for his callousness and for his lack of ability to do his job. And he took it out on the American people. We're the ones that suffered at the hands of this Russia probe by painting Trump to be a conspirator with Russia all over the fact that Jim Comey couldn't handle the fact that he was fired for being a disgrace to the FBI. I mean, maybe that's why he titled his book A Higher Loyalty. The higher loyalty in this case was himself. He looked more to himself than anyone else in this probe. He didn't care about the American people. He didn't care about doing the right thing versus the wrong thing. Jim Comey cared about Jim Comey. You know, he tried to play it off as if he was this Boy Scout, this powerful leader, but he did just the opposite. He weakly leaked information pertaining to conversations he had to President Trump, who he had assured was not under investigation at the time. I mean, that's, that's extremely hard to believe now. Of course, it looks like he was under investigation. He was trying to trip him into saying something so that he would have a case on him. Completely baffling how he thinks that he was vindicated by this. But here's where he gets his vindication from, okay? This information, these memos that he wrote about his conversations with the President of the United States were considered sensitive by the IG. They were not considered to be classified, okay? That's the difference here. Technically, he did not leak classified information. He leaked sensitive information. Now, sensitive being one step below, of course, is frowned upon by DOJ standards. But I don't think that it was technically considered an illegal act, at least not one that the DOJ was going to pursue. Now, let's not forget here, Comey may think he's off the hook, but he's not even close. He's still the key target in two major investigations, the botched Hillary email investigation and FISA abuse, where he was the one that three out of four times signed off on the renewal of the Carter Page warrant. So he may think he got away with something here, but what we're probably actually looking at is letting the small fish go to catch the big fish. You know, somebody on Twitter used a very good analogy to me this week. And they said, you know, if you bust the guy for speeding, doing 100 miles an hour, and in the process of the investigation, you determine that he has 100 pounds of cocaine on him, do you write him up for a speeding ticket and waste your time with the, with the traffic court system? Or do you just go after the fact that you've got him on a major life sentence felony? 
It's a very good point. You know, why do you waste your time with something little that's not going to grant him a very long prison sentence when you possibly have him for something huge, you know, like subversion or uh, maybe even up to and including something in the realm of treason. So there's different ways to take a look at this. And in this week's chaos reduction, I'm going to talk about just that. Okay, so I usually start this part out with a question or even a series of questions sometimes, but today is a different set of circumstances, so I'll start it out with a statement. Folks, we live in the most unique and troubling time in history, and how we as a nation embrace this will determine the future of this country. In 2016, and for a while leading up to it, there was an attempt made by a group of non-patriotic people to do something so illegal and so subvert that we never would have imagined it could even happen. An attempt was made to undo the process by which we pick our elected leaders in this country and to give the person that lost the election all the control of the presidency. Now, three years later, we're beginning to see a clear picture of just what took place, who was involved, and how close they actually came to success. Now, to the untrained eye, it would look like punishment for these people may not be in the cards. But is that really what's going on in the upper echelons of the DOJ? Are these people being allowed to skate for some unknown reason? Or is there the possibility that we're not seeing the forest through the trees? Bill Barr stated early on that he saw things that troubled him regarding the Russia investigation and the key names involved in the surrounding landscapes. He had assured the American people that he would conduct the proper investigations and be as transparent as possible with his findings. Immediately, he convened an IG investigation, worked with a very well-regarded U.S. attorney to investigate FISA abuses in the Clinton email botch probe. One would have to assume that he would use the information to either expel the notions of wrongdoing or hold the guilty people accountable. But now, we aren't so sure. The IG report just came back damning James Comey into oblivion, and what was the outcome? The same as it was when it was determined that Andrew McCabe broke the law, a declination of prosecution. But maybe the thing we must look at is the amount of punishment and does it fit the crime. Mr. Comey has already claimed clear and total vindication, but if he's stupid enough to believe that, he's going to be shocked all the way to federal penitentiary if what we believe is coming actually arrives. I think what we're seeing is a well-thought-out process to make sure that the people involved with trying to subvert our democracy are charged with just that, maybe something just short of treason. Let's not forget, all they have actually proven on Comey is that he's a corrupt, power-hungry former FBI head that served no one but his own malign intent. It may still be proven that he was a key leader of a group willing to defraud a FISA court into issuing permission to surveil American citizens for no founded reason. That is a much bigger crime with a much longer prison sentence than leaking some memos that were classified as a sensitive and not classified document. I think that is a mistake, but that's just my opinion. I guess if I could ask one question of I.G. Horowitz, it would be, how in the hell are these memos not classified when they involve an ongoing investigation? It is clear that President Trump was under investigation at time when Comey was telling him that he wasn't. His actions completely support this. Still, I think the goal is on the big picture. 
The botched investigation of Hillary Clinton's emails where witnesses were present while Hillary was interviewed, countless players were given immunity, and Hillary was never put under oath when she was questioned. All signs of a rigged game and all the result of a James Comey-led distraction. This combined with the FISA abuse add up to one of the greatest attempts to bury American election fairness forever. And had it worked, would we have ever found out about it? Nope, not a chance. Hillary Clinton would have gone on to be president, and all this would have been swept under the rug of deceit to the American people. They were so sure that they were going to win that they never planned for the contingency of, what if America elects Trump? The thought never crossed their mind, and ever since then, they have been in full-blown panic mode. I am more certain than ever that justice will be served, just not at the pace that America wants to see. Remember, we're talking about people like James Comey, McCabe, Brennan, Clapper, Stroke, and Page, all the way up to possibly the whole damn Obama administration, with Barack being the one that created all this. After all, it was only his entire legacy on the line, right? He knew without a doubt that if President Trump got elected, he would slowly dismantle everything he had done in the last eight years, and was he ever right? We're doing better now than at any point under Obama. So all I'm saying is, we should reserve our tendency to rush to judgment for a later time. President Trump knows what he's doing. And don't forget, he's a counterpuncher. The deep state went for the knockout blow, but totally missed. Now, it's President Trump's turn, and he'll get what he's owed. I agree that this is moving at a snail's pace, but we can't forget that Jeff Sessions did absolutely nothing to actively pursue these people responsible for this authoritarian attack. Justice will prevail, and Comey will look like an utter fool for thinking he escaped a long arm of the law. Maybe they can make cellmates out of these guilty parties, and that way they can reminisce about the good old days of subverting democracy and what almost was. Okay, so I hope I've done a good job of illustrating the week for you and let you know exactly what has happened of major importance and how I'm reacting to it, and hopefully that helps you shape your opinion of what you see in here. It is definitely a long road to 2020, folks. We've got to be ever vigilant and ever supportive of our president and make sure that we get another four years of President Trump because the other side is just absolutely disgusting and totally going to lead to economic ruin. So let's make the most of this time that we have to support our president and make sure he gets reelected. If you're not following me on Twitter and Parler, make sure that you do, please, because I do often, often release information about upcoming podcasts and things of that nature. I, of course, I'm at Proud OIF Vet. And also, check me out on Facebook. I'm there as well. I am at Climate and Chaos. And also, not to be too lengthy in this discussion, but I also have Instagram. And now we are also on YouTube, folks. You can listen to Climate and Chaos on YouTube as well. Just check us out by searching Climate and Chaos with Jay. So, once again, I thank you guys for taking time out of what I know is a busy week because you are hardworking American patriots, just like I am. And we are all working towards a common goal. But you take time out every week to listen to me, and that means more than I can ever tell you. So stay safe, everybody, and watch out for each other. Until we meet again, take good care.